Sup, Thrill Seekers, I'm Dev. And I'm Connor, and you're listening to Mass Hysteria. Welcome back to Mass Hysteria. Um, hello, hello. So I know everyone is probably eagerly chomping at the bit. Got to keep the horse references yes, alive. Yes, Of what the survey results were from our uh, gas survey last week. The majority of people also experienced bloating. Got a couple of comments to look into gas X or Tums. Mm. Thank you. That has been I noted. myself have been... Um, Trying out Rolaids. I feel like an old lady. I care. You know, like they come in the little like package. You look like Mentos. Yeah. yeah. So I've been I've been using Rolaids. You know, just popping a few of those here and then. So if you were bloated last week, just know that you are not alone. If you're still bloated this week, it might be time to see a doctor. But like, to each his own. You do you. Um, and what, we're not here to tell you how to live your yeah, life. Please, we barely know how to live our own lives. Um, and one thing we did want to say, Connor has a mass hysterical this week because his life is funny. Finally. Um, we have had a lot of new listeners and we are so grateful. So we want to say thank you. Um, I know we joke around a lot, but we're so grateful for people that tune in. So one person in particular, we wanted to shout out. So Connor found this quote that they made on Facebook. Yeah, they gave us a, a Facebook review. Which was awesome. We appreciate that. So Kathy, if you were listening, we just wanted to say that your quote was probably the most accurate description of us that we've ever read. And the quote said, the podcast host's uh, dedication to wor- world domination is very admirable. And we just we've want to take a moment. We've never felt more seen or heard in our lives. We've never felt more understood. Like, I don't even know if my parents could describe me as well as that quote did. So thank you, Kathy. We see you. We hear you. We love you. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> you're the best. Uh, that made us smile. Thank you. But also, everyone who's left a, gr- a review for us, we really appreciate it. A couple of people have asked us if we take recommendations of stories to look into. Um, absolutely, we do. If you have something you think would be cool to talk about or look into, we definitely will um, add it to our queue. We have a couple of different things lined up weeks out, but we are always open to suggestions. So please send them our way. And without further ado, Connor will be sharing his first mass hysteria. Everyone hold the applause. My mass hysterical. Yeah, sorry. Your mass hysterical. Oh, that turned into hysteria, let's be honest. It did. I was a little hysterical. It was it was chaos. So I was at home and I was watching some dogs. My brother's dogs. And like live animals. He live animals. Watch I don't watch I don't watch taxidermy animals anymore. It it really wasn't that lucrative. Um They're kind it of was here and there. They really are kind of killjoys. Um so I'm watching the dogs, and the dogs are in my room, and I'm in my bathroom. My bathroom is right next to my bedroom, and I have this bad habit of leaving the door open to the bathroom while I'm using the potty. He's voyeuristic. <laughs> well, it's just a hallway out front, and like I'm the only one that sleeps upstairs, so like it's empty, and so normally no one's there. But this day, this must have been like the week before last, I was... In the bathroom, using the potty, pooping, if you must know. And His regularly scheduled bowel movement. Exactly. And I heard a man talking. Like, I heard a man talking. 
and the dog started barking. Because he's, like, very sensitive, so, like, if he hears anyone, he just barks, he barks, he barks, he barks. So... The dog, not the man. Yeah, I don't know about the man. He might. I, I didn't ask him. Um, so I was like, I'm in the bathroom, I'll be out in a minute. I thought it was my brother, Owen, because... Winnie, our Winnie, landlord. our landlord. And so I finished in the bathroom, and I went out, and no one was there. And I called Winnie... And I woke him up. He was sleeping downstairs. So it wasn't him. But there was a man talking upstairs. And then I had to use the potty again. Because <laughs> it scared the Because it scared all of the poop out of me. Who knew there was any left after that? I mean, it was already an intense bathroom visit. And that was like, yeah, I promptly evacuated the rest of my bowels after that. Can you imagine this ghost man is, like, walking around? He's like, these freaking mortals taking their time. Seriously. And, you know, honestly, like, I would have written it off. I would have been like, I must have just heard something. I don't know. But the dog was barking. And the AC was on. So it's not like he would have heard someone outside. And the windows were closed. And he was barking. And he doesn't bark for no reason. Like, he was barking like he heard something. This is our call to action. If you were sneaking around Connor's bathroom... (laughs) Fess up, because otherwise he's going to call it the Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Um, apparently you called Winnie, so. I did. Maybe he's my Ghostbuster. That is true. Winnie is a jack of all trades. Well, we're learning something from this. Um, so today's episode is also about something creepy. When we started this podcast, it was really easy to think about like ghost stories or old like New England folklore, but one category we essentially overlooked until now was vampires and long before twilight was a tween bestseller or if you were my age i read banicula did you read banicula i wasn't allowed to i knew you were gonna say that I knew. yeah i wasn't allowed to um there were groups of people that like were genuinely convinced that people buried uh long ago were actually returning from the grave to feast on their blood so what caused this crazy hysteria well michael bell has documented almost a hundred vampire exhumations and the smithsonian magazine it's our main source for this episode published an interview style article about him and the vampires he's been investigating for over 40 years so today we will talk about the tale of mercy brown and a couple others but she was better known to her family as lena brown so lena mercy brown lived in exeter rhode island in the late 1800s exeter was a challenging place to make ends meet the farming community um was having a difficult time staying afloat because the soil was really rocky and it was barely fertile. And I'm also rocky and barely fertile, so (laughs) I can relate. Um, The loyals, loyals, the locals, they tried to be creative. They planted, they were, they were loyal locals. They were loyal to the Um, area. They planted corn in mazes around large boulders. Maybe that's where corn mazes came into play that's true it started in exeter just kidding it's mm. probably not true but let's just believe it we'll believe it it's, it's entertaining um so but it's probably no shock after you're hearing all of this to say that the town was not heavily populated by the late 1800s the smithsonian article says quote civil war casualties had taken their toll on the community and the new railroads and promise of richer land to the west lured the young men away a community that had once had between 2,500 and 3,000 residents at the start of the century was dwindling down to less than 1,000 by the 1890s. The stressful landscape, combined with the social changes led by many, led many families to abandon their farms in search of an easier and more fruitful place to live. 
So as if these obstacles were not challenging enough, remember that tuberculosis was rampant in the 17 and 1800s. According to the Smithsonian um, article, tuberculosis was responsible for 25% of all deaths in New England. Dying from tuberculosis is a terrible way to go. The body's deteriorating while also fighting a fever. To top it off, many people end up coughing up serious amounts of blood. With this nugget of information in the back of your mind, it starts to explain, I mean, not justify, but explain where the vampire hysteria was coming from. People suffering from tuberculosis looked like all of their life was draining out of them. Wasting away with a pale, sickly expression, people began to wonder if something more sinister was at work. Perhaps some of this insanity can be explained by the general lack of knowledge about tuberculosis and the absence of a cure, especially in rural areas where news traveled a lot slower. Some, posi- some physicians would even claim certain unrelated characteristics or behaviors caused tuberculosis. You're running low on money, tuberculosis is next. I would definitely have tuberculosis. Uh, you, drink too, you drink too much on the weekends. Get prepared for tuberculosis. Same. Luckily, though, if Connor was alive during this time, he would have survived because one of the supposed cures for tuber- tuberculosis was excessive horseback riding. At least game recognizes game. Nothing can destroy the spirit of a horse girl. <laughs> so how does Mercy Brown fit into all of this? Stop laughing. It's not funny. Okay, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Respect. Her family lived in eastern Exeter, like we mentioned, on a farm of over 30 acres. And apparently... At the time, this was, this was considered modest. So, mm, my plan is I'm going to become a nun, <laughs> and I'll be so modest that it will get me a 40-acre farm in today's housing market. Anyway, I digress. Um, by December of 1882, Lena's mother was sick with tuberculosis. Sadly, she died before 1883. Lena's 20-year-old sister, Mary Olive, made dresses in town, and by the end of 1883, tuberculosis had also killed her. The town grieved the loss of Mary Olive. A large group of locals attended the funeral for her. One of the tough things about tuberculosis is that those who have it can be asymptomatic for years before exhibiting signs of infection. Lena was a young girl when her sister and mother succumbed to the illness. Her older brother, Edwin, also fell ill, but he moved away to Colorado with the hopes that, according to the Smithsonian, quote, the climate would improve his health, end quote, a.k.a. every other New Englander that's ever gone to Colorado. Exactly. That's still why people go to Colorado. Edwin was the original hipster. Edwin. Um, Young Lena stayed in Rhode Island with her father. It wasn't until almost 10 years later that Lena began to show signs of infection. She most likely had been infected long before, but only started to show signs near the end of her life. In January of 1892, Lena died on a Sunday morning from consumption. If you hear us say consumption, by the way, um, it's the same thing as tuberculosis. They're interchangeable, but I know that's not necessarily intuitive. Well, you at didn't the know time, that wasn't it also kind of a catch-all for anything like that, or was it only tuberculosis? Um, I don't actually know. I've just seen it used interchangeably with tuberculosis, tuberculosis but it okay. might be like a little bit. Also, did they really know the difference between the... Yeah, they may not yeah. have known what was what. But... Anyway, so around the same time, her brother returned to Exeter, and he was incredibly ill. He was near death, and he wanted the prayers and support of his friends and loved ones to lift his spirit in his final days. If there's anything we've learned from history, especially like the Salem Witch Trials, it's that people will always hunt for somebody to blame. While the Browns asked for prayers and good wishes, not all of their neighbors were keen to comply. Perhaps, they began to consider, the Brown family is haunted by some darker force at work here. Maybe a truly evil spirit has decided to prey on the Browns. Locals began to jump on the bandwagon of this theory. Would they be next? Was it safe to be near the Browns at all? 
I think next time something unfortunate happens to me, I will also use this sound reasoning. It is a diabolical demon at play, not me. And I honestly need that reasoning a lot in my life. I don't know why my room is so messy. It must be the diabolical demon inside me. Exactly. Uh, Now, I'm not sure how a group of townspeople in the 1800s arrived at this conclusion, but they were eventually convinced that one of the brown women was not actually dead. Neighbors and locals rallied behind the idea that Lena was not really dead after all. Instead, they posited she was feeding on the blood and body of her brother, Edwin. That is why he was so sickly. This is very disturbing to even think about the family dynamic here. Okay, Lena, they believed, must be a vampire. That's the only explanation. They decided that there was only one way to save poor Edwin. The body of Lena would need to be destroyed. There was an added challenge to this, though. Lena had already been buried. Neighbors asked the family if they could exhume all three of the women's bodies to check if they had fresh blood in their hearts, according to the Smithsonian article. So their hunch was that Lena was the one that was sucking all of the life out of Edwin, but they didn't rule out the possibility that it could be her mother or sister instead. Nobody was safe at all now. The witch hunt of the late 1800s was not a witch hunt at all. It was a search to exhume the vampire. George Brown, the father of the family, um, gave the townspeople permission to dig up the bodies, though he did not want to be present when it happened. I can't imagine, like, giving people... I mean, and I'm not knocking him, because obviously, like... People are uninformed. They don't know. But, like, can you imagine, like, giving someone... family, take note of that. Exactly. I will... I possibly will exhume your bodies. However, I will be very upset if you exhume mine. Um, Also, they didn't have, like, modern day equipment, obviously. So was it just, like, ten men and a shovel? Yeah, they must have been. But the graves were also more shallow, shallow. which is awful. um, So he gave them permission to do it, but he didn't want to be there when it happened. So in March of 1892, a group of men located the burial sites and dug up the three bodies. At this point, Mary Olive and her mother had been dead for almost 10 years, and their remains were nothing but bones. Lena, however, had only been buried for two months when the excavation began. Given that it was also wintertime, Lena's body was still in relatively good condition. The men located her heart, and they removed it from her chest. When they cut open the organ, they found some clotted blood. Deciding this was proof of her vampire status, they continued the autopsy by removing her liver. According to the Smithsonian, quote, The villagers burned her heart and liver on a nearby rock, feeding Edwin the ashes. He died less than two months later. End quote. All that they proved is the concept of a freezer. And if that, you put something in a freezer, it will stay preserved. And congratulations, Rhode Island. You just, like, participated in cannibalism. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um... The vampire panic that was traveling around New England was both confusing and ridiculous, much like the modern-day carnivals traveling around New England. Um, Raise your hand if you've ever thrown up on the zipper ride. Raise your hand if you weren't allowed on carnival rides. My mom was like, that doesn't look safe. To be fair, there was one time where I went and something definitely, like, part of the cage fell off one of the rides. Yeah, those really spinny ones, like, they're just on tires. That doesn't seem that safe. Um, If anyone knows of a carnival in New England this summer, please tell me, because... I would like to relive the best years of my life. Okay, the late 1800s had been a time of social progress. The hunt for vampires felt like they were traveling back in time 200 years to Salem. Um, I didn't actually know this, but apparently in New England in the late 1800s, only around like 10 to 20% of people were religious. So most Hmm. people were like very, uh, like the fact that they thought about vampires as explaining what was going on wasn't totally out there because they didn't really have the same like, 
religious compasses. So they were a little, maybe a little more superstitious. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to describe it. Um, Lena Brown's exhumation was widely discussed. According to the Smithsonian, a Providence Journal reporter had actually been at the gravesite when she was dug up. So an anthropologist, he visited Rhode Island to investigate this mystery. Um, and when he published his findings in a well-known anthropology journal, news started to travel about the vampire phenomenon. People were desperate for an explanation for the mass hysteria. See what we did there? Everything. Uh-huh. Full circle, baby. Full circle. So we'll be here all night. Anyway, even the international audiences, though, they started to weigh in on this American drama. Certainly, this wasn't something that the European ancestors could have brought to New England, right? This is where pop culture starts to get even crazier. Have you heard of Bram Stoker? Do you recognize the name? Bram, are you listening? Bram, are you there? Maybe you do, or maybe you don't. But everyone, especially everyone listening to this, I'm sure, has heard about his classic Gothic novel, Dracula. According to the Smithsonian, quote, some scholars have said there wasn't enough time for the new accounts to have influenced the Dracula manuscript. Yet others see Lena in the character Lucy, her very name attempting amalgam of Lena and Mercy, end quote. Exeter today is a community of around six to 7,000 residents. It's an affluent town just outside of Providence. Those who have been there a while or have explored the historical areas have reported that there is still a feeling of a larger paranormal force at play. Is the area haunted? Our landlord, Winnie, has kindly volunteered to participate in a 30-day study living alone in the Exeter woods. We will provide an update in six weeks or so. So, Thanks, Winnie. So clap, slow clap, slow clap. Not all heroes wear capes. (laughs) Thank you, Winnie. Thank you. With Halloween only a few months away, the town of Salem is already preparing for the inundation of tourists and thrill-seekers alike. Ooh, maybe we could have a mass hysteria uh, event in Salem. Oh my god. That That'd would be, be fun. So fun. Uh, if all three of you want to come, let us know. <laughs> um, we'll set up a booth. <laughs> <laughs> the community turns into a spooky destination for thousands of people each year, interested in learning the history of the old site of the most notorious witch hunt in history. Uh, Exeter, Rhode Island is the polar opposite. To be totally honest, I hadn't really heard a lot about the vampire legend before we made this episode. This is partially because the town doesn't really want to draw attention to the legend of Mercy Brown. Every year, people visit her grave, determined to connect with the creepy spirits and see the place where the 19-year-old was exhumed. According to CBS, 10 years ago, a group of four teenage girls traveled down the road leading to Mercy's grave. After they visited the site, they noticed that one of the roads leading out out of there was called Purgatory Road, so naturally, they're curious, they want to drive down it. They believed it looked haunted, so the girls, they were teenagers in high school, um, probably had just gotten their license licenses were not familiar with the um windy road that per- the purgatory road was quite windy so they weren't familiar with that and they ended up crashing their car two of them passed away as a result of the accident which is obviously very sad whether the area is haunted or not locals really urge people to leave the area alone those who do visit lena's grave will find her brother and her father's stones beside her own if your sibling ever eats your heart or any organ of yours for that matter Maybe consider seeking another plot to be buried on. But to each his own, you know? Um, According to the Smithsonian article, people will leave small offerings to Lena. Plastic vampire teeth, a pack of cough drops. The headstone itself has been vandalized by various people carving their names into it. The same article mentioned that once there was a note taped to her grave that said, quote, you go girl, end quote. Not gonna lie, I have some respect for that. (laughs) It has long remained a mystery how... The New England towns came to perpetuate the vampire myth. 
According to an article on grunge.com, an early vampire count occurred in 1732. Arnold Paul was tortured by what he believed to be vampires for his entire life. By the time he died, it was said uh, it was said he had he himself had become one of the vampires. When his neighbors dug up his body, they were shocked by how well preserved it appeared to be. One of them raised a stake and drove it through his heart. When the, they did so, he made a pained groaning sound like oof. And this sounds really creepy, but if you actually look into some of the like medical journals and science explaining this. It's like all the gases are coming out Probably of Probably so his body was like, decomposing. It would be like, yeah, a release of gas. Yeah, so um, Clotter believes that if the same thing were to happen to him, he would probably toot, so you've been warned. <laughs> um, the same article, though it does bring up a really interesting point, that the vampire panic was very different from the witch panic. The Salem witch hunt was essentially a political battle with certain groups of people targeted for their differences. The vampire panic, though, was entirely bred from misunderstanding about science and disease. Desperate for an explanation to tuberculosis, for example, the, the Rhode Island town believed vampires were a logical and reasonable cause for all this chaos. The same article, which we will, of course, link in the epi notes below, makes the point of discussing how those who suffer from tuberculosis can come to resemble vampires. Their eyes will be sunken in, they'll be pale, and no, I'm not describing my co-host, if you're wondering, though it is a good question. <clears throat> <clears throat> but in all seriousness, tuberculosis is a vicious illness uh, where one just sort of wastes away. That, combined with the general lack of medical knowledge about tu a tuberculosis cure, led tuberculosis to become the catalyst for the New England vampire panic, specifically for the Brown family, since more than one of them suffered. The rumor was that the dead family members were feeding off the remains of living ones. So... How do you kill a vampire? Well, this ultimately depended on where the vampire was buried before being exhumed. According to the Smithsonian, if the body was found in New England, or sorry, they're all in New England, but if the body was found in Massachusetts or Maine, they would simply turn them over in their grave. Leave it to Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut to be a little wilder. If a vampire was found here, then he or she would suffer the same fate as Mercy Brown. Their heart would be removed and burned. The smoke and ashes from the fire were considered to be a cure for those who were potential targets to unruly vampires. If you think you couldn't stump... Ooh, that means... Wait, hold on. I just realized that means I'm safe because gingers have no souls. You're right. If someone tries to exhume my body, good luck. I'm going to put a curse on you. Good luck. Um, if you think you couldn't stomach such haphazard surgery, no pun intended, we're in the same boat as you. Oddly, though, many people found these quote-unquote ceremonies as exciting events to attend. Uh, they really need some hobbies. Um, you can tell this is before malls Seriously. were around. Yeah, kids need something to do. Go Send to them the to the mall. mall. Um, in 1793... Do kids go to the mall anymore? Yeah, that's a... Please. We have some people that are in the younger age bracket. Let we us need know. a poll. Do kids still hang out at the mall? Because that was the cool place to go when we were 16. It was. Also, But we were also not that cool, so maybe there was a cooler maybe, place to go. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we just weren't told where the cool kids went. If, we, if you went to high school with me and you're listening to this on the odd chance, please don't tell anyone how uncool I was. Thank you. Okay. In uh, 1793, according to the Grunge article we mentioned earlier, Rachel Harris was a supposed vampire in Manchester, Vermont. When her organs were removed three years after she was buried, a crowd of nearly a thousand people attended the ceremony. Rachel was one of the first known vampire cases in New England. After Rachel died, her stepsister married her widower, 
when the stepsister, Holda, showed signs... I just feel like you can't not read her name like that. Holda. Uh, showed signs of consumption, there can only be one answer. Rachel had to have come back from the grave as a vampire. Or, like, maybe she was trying to teach her stepsister to leave the man alone, like, respect girl code. Right. Either way. The ceremony was widely attended as residents watched the proceedings ensue. The first reference to vampires on American soil came around 1784. According to the Smithsonian, quote, Councilman Moses Holmes from the town of Willington warned people to beware of a certain quack doctor, a foreigner who would urge families to dig up and bury dead relative and burn dead relatives to stop consumption. Holmes had witnessed several children disinterred at the doctor's request and he wanted no more of it, end quote. One case of this happened in Cumberland, Rhode Island. According to New England Today, a young woman named Abigail Staples died from consumption, and shortly, shortly after her death, Abigail's sister Lavinia came ill. While she was ill, she claimed that she would have dreams of someone visiting her and sucking the life out of her. During her nightmare one time, she called out Abigail's name. Her father thought that maybe his eldest daughter was a vampire, and he asked for her body to be exhumed. Nothing substantial came from the excavation or exhumation, though the story still lives on. Nearly a decade before Lena's death, Exeter was haunted by the tale of Sarah Tillinghast. Sarah was the first child... That's kind of a ghostly name, it is isn't it? Ghost. Also, if, there's, if any of these stories are remotely believable, it's this one. Yeah. Sarah was the first child to die in her... Or it fa- makes you stop and think. That's true. We'll, we'll say that. Sarah was the first child to die in her family of 16 people. I thought you had a big family. You've been uh, one-upped. Um, after her death, her siblings came, claimed that Sarah would visit them in their sleep. So maybe you're thinking, like, this is just how children are handling grief in their own way, and that would make sense. But things started to get creepier. Slowly, Sarah's siblings died by consumption. In 1799, this was almost, like, five to ten years after she died, five of her siblings, in addition to Sarah, had succumbed to tuberculosis. Her family was starting to believe that maybe Sarah was taking the lives of her siblings. And if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, well, obviously the siblings were asymptomatic and now it's showing. But wait, the family decided that the only way to find out was to exhume the bodies. Now, remember, Sarah died first and she died a couple of years at least before the first sibling died. Yet when the bodies were dug up, all were in advanced stages of decomposition except for Sarah. Her heart was burned in front of the family home as a way to protect the family. Their peace of mind did not last long, though. Soon a seventh child died by consumption. You may be wondering if the household patriarch, George Brown, suffered from tuberculosis as well. Um, That's uh, Lena's father. Apparently he did not, as he lived 30 years after his daughters and wife had died. He died in 1922 in Exeter. Lena's spirit is said to still visit Exeter near a local bridge. Those who report... Feeling her presence, smell the scent of roses. Some believe she murmurs near her headstone in a soft voice. Those who claim to chase the paranormal bring recording devices in hopes of capturing her speaking. There you have it, thrill seekers. This is the legend of Lena Mercy Brown. Do you believe she was the original Dracula, or do you think pseudoscience got the best of the 19th century Exeter residents? Let us know. In the meantime, if you're listening to this at night, sleep tight and don't let the vampires bite. Or at least stock up on garlic. See you next week, guys. Bye, guys.